One out, nobody on. The payoff to Murphy. Left-hand batter, strike three call. To the knees and right down the middle of the plate. But down, Murphy. Some games go on for a long time. This one's still going on in my mind. And welcome to episode 21 of the Autobot Podcast. My name is Justin Vibber, and as always, I'm joined by Chad Young and Niv Shaw. Um, right off the bat, I want to say, yeah, it's been a little while since we've recorded. Um, kind of a lot of miscellaneous things going on, but we're going to get back on the horse and, and get back into doing these. Um, obviously, the 2020 season is over. Um, Audinu arbitration ended on the 15th. Uh, so just four days ago as we're recording this. So we figured this would be a good time to discuss sort of the results of that, what we saw in our leagues, what we saw globally. Niv was nice enough to share that information so we could just talk about it tonight. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's been a while, guys. Thanks for, for joining again. Yeah, of course. Excited now, to be back. Now, I'm going to just sort of uh, quickly list. These are going to be the top 10 uh, players who receive the most ARB across all leagues. And this is independent of format. So obviously there's different dynamics between five by five, four by four and the points leagues, but it's a good overview of, of um, in general across all format types. Uh, these were the players that got hit the hardest. Uh, number one was Fernando Tatis, probably not a surprise. Uh, number two is Shane Bieber. Number three, Juan Soto. Number four, uh, Ronald Acuna. Uh, number five, Lucas Giolito. Um, then number six was Louis Robert, uh, and I think I botched that. I, w- th- that'll be a continual thing where we try to get that name right, right? Uh, number seven is Trevor Bauer. Number eight was Denelson Lamette. Uh, number nine was Bo Bichette, and number 10 was Eloy Jimenez. Um, obviously, this list skews very young. Lots of young players, which makes sense. A lot of guys that maybe were prospects owned for you know rostered for under ten dollars and then because their price was low and because they did so well this most recent season or season two seasons um their price was under where it should have been which is the whole point of arbitration right is that everyone's going to hit everybody else's players based on how under costed they are effectively um were there any names that you guys wanted to start talking about here i mean we've got a lot that we're going to cover but Let's talk about Juan Soto. Um, Juan Soto was third overall this year in total ARB. Um, and and Chad, you don't think he's done getting ARB, do you? No, I don't at all. <laughs> in fact, I think Let's Talk About Juan Soto should be the name of the next podcast. It starts because it's you, crazy. It's just awesome to talk about him. The guy is just, <laughs> he's incredibly talented. He, he does he, everything in every format. So yes. it's, it's just he's the best player in every format right now. And he has been top three in our the last three years. Yep. That yeah, is also crazy. Like that. Those are those are crazy things. Right. Well, it's, it's a it's a little bit of a unique scenario with him and being top three, three years running because he broke out so quickly. Right. He came up. He wasn't even a top prospect, really, when he came up. Right. His name was starting to bubble up. He was sort of middle of the top hundred lists, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, it was something um, like that. 
And so he was a, he was a guy people owned him in most leagues. Right. But he wasn't, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't Wander Franco. Who's already 12, 13, $14 in a lot of places. Right. He wasn't Gavin Lux. Who's been hanging around for years without officially breaking out. And therefore is already nine, 10, $11 in a lot of places. He was one or $2 in most places. And, but, but he immediately emerged was so good at such a young age that he got hit heavily after that first season. And then he just kept being that good, maybe even getting better. Um, and so the result no, is it's awesome. It's yeah. been really fun. Like I, and, and, you know, uh, so I, I added like some real rough math here about, um, how much was ever added, uh, on average by each league that did, uh, allocate money towards each player and what their current average salary is, after adding it. And so Juan Soto, you know, I, I, I sort of mentioned this at the beginning that I think we're not done seeing Juan Soto at the top of these lists. Uh, he had about $10 added um, per league, like nine seventy three is where the average falls, which brings his current average salary up to forty four thirty five. Now, I'm pretty sure on the surplus calculator, his number is a lot higher than that using like the steamer projections, right? Um, sorry, Justin, I think you're yeah, it absolutely is. It's one of the things I was going to bring up is that when I ran an early 2021 uh, dollar values for the surplus calculator for Fangraph's points, Soto is the number one player uh, per those steamer projections at $70. Um, so sort of taking that trout spot, that sort of, you know, 70, low 70s, high 60s uh, sort of range. Um, and I feel like that might be the first time, maybe after Bryce Harper's big season, maybe he was projected yeah. better than Trout. But like, obviously, it's very rare that anybody is projected to be better than Trout uh, over the last half dozen years. So, um, yeah, seventy dollars. So even at forty four, and in Fangraphs points leagues, his average salary is forty six. So even at forty six dollars on average salary, he still got twenty dollars in surplus. Right. Easy. So so we're talking about maybe Juan Soto being at the top of this leaderboard for five years in total and like yeah like, like another two because he's gone up about 30 it looks like the last three years it's been about 31 dollars added to him across the board in total um, right in total so so if you think maybe about ten dollars a year you might have a couple more years before that that surplus that's, that's erodes. so crazy yeah and and that's probably what we saw with trout i wonder how many years he was i, I didn't go back that far but i wouldn't be surprised if trout was on the top 10 list for at least four or five years before he fell off before his price got up to market rate. So, right. But in 2013 or whatever, when, um, we started doing our, when our became an option, uh, everyone already knew Mike Trout, right? Like that, right. Like these, and that was just sort of, a people understanding auto new pricing type of problem. Yep. This, this is like once auto is exactly what, the format is meant to capture like what Juan Soto did like, and is continuing to do uh, is precisely what auto new is all about from a prospect perspective. So that's, it's really interesting to see that like sort of tangible. And I, and, and I think to, to expound on that a little bit, I think what makes auto new really great when it comes to this is that it's a really nice mid range between if you're in a dynasty league and you own Juan Soto, especially if you're in like a linear weights points format and you own Juan Soto, like that is just a massive asset. That's massive value because he's effectively, you can keep him forever and there's no additional cost to you if you're in a true dynasty. 
On the other hand, if you're in a keeper league, you you roster some of these players, they break out, and then it's like, well, or a non-keeper league, I should say. Then you got to throw them back in. You don't ever get to reap the benefit of finding these guys. Um, whereas Audenew kind of hits the middle of the road there. You get the benefit of Soto's surplus for a number of years, but you also aren't, you don't have like a league-breaking asset, right? You don't have somebody that's right. just, well, that guy owns, he's got Ron Soto on his roster in a dynasty league, so he's going to be a favorite for the next 10 years no matter what right. we do. Until Juan uh, Soto starts declining or whatever, yeah. So you're still getting the benefit of of having a Juan Soto on your roster, of having a Fernando Tatis on your roster, um, but it's not something that the the rest of the league gets a chance to sort of eat away at it a little bit, which I think is is great. That's what makes arbitration in, in Autonew unique. I mean, it's the only fantasy system that really has something like that in place. I mean, there's salary escalation and in, in, like I've played in auction keeper leagues where you have like a set, you want to keep a guy, he's $3 more than he was the year before. Um, but I like that this is sort of market driven that the rest of the players in your league decide the, the managers decide this is, these are the players that should get hit hard. Um, what, which, one, which one interesting it note. it's another part of playing the game. Yeah. One interesting note on on Soto versus Trout. Uh, Nev, you're talking about Trout in those early years. So Trout, that first year of ARB, was the highest ARB player, and it's the highest ARB player ever on a per league basis. Still, no one's ever been ARB as much as him. Trout over the first two years of ARB was bumped up twenty five dollars from an already established position. Right, he was already a star and bumped up twenty five dollars. Soto's gone up about thirty dollars over three years. Um, and so I think one of the things to just keep in mind with the, with the context here is as amazing as Soto is, Trout eight years ago, seven years ago, got pushed even harder, even quicker. Um, and that was from a, a higher starting point. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, it's, a, it's another one of these reminders that like we're talking about Soto is this like generational once in a lifetime talent. And he is. And I'm still not sure he's Mike Trout. <laughs> which is uh, right, right. remarkable. Yep. Yeah. Now I, I and I want to I want to be fair here. We're talking about Soto's been top 3 uh top arb hit the last 3 years. Ronald Acuña's been top 4 each yeah. of the last 3 years. Acuña's been up there. And, and obviously they're very linked those two players and he's basically just been a a hair less than a Soto in the last 3 years, which makes him nearly equally as remarkable. So and especially in five by five, because he steals more, right? Yeah. yeah. So he's that's more that is definitely of- worth calling out because Acuna, Acuna is sort of like uh, sneaky in there because everyone like Soto is obviously Soto, but Acuna, like you forget that like even though you don't benefit from stolen bases in all formats, and that like a lot of people put that value of Acuna baked in, like oh he steals bases so in five by five formats, but he still mashes the ball in all formats, right? So it. Yeah, and also he's been top four three years in a row now. So, and no, no other two players I think have done that since Trout. My my, my Acuna hot take on him being top four the last three years is that he is benefiting from being linked to Soto. I think there's so much like they're in the same division and they came up around the same time and they're both outfielders. Like there's all this like comparison and it's really natural to talk about Acuna versus Soto. And outside of five by five, where I'm, I'm a little less confident in my statements here. Soto is much better. Well, and that's, for, that's from certainly true. Perspective. That's certainly true. But I wonder. I, I, I wonder. And Justin, uh, this is a question for you, I guess. Like Acuna uh, is now sitting across all formats, average forty six, forty one. So forty six dollars, a touch higher than Soto, and that's probably driven by five by five 
to Chad's point, um, is there still surplus there for Acuna, uh, according to Steamer projections? Uh, yeah, he was fifty dollars on on for Fangraphs points. Um, so, so we might be nearing the end of Acuna being the top three, top five uh, receiving arb. Yeah, but I mean, but again, in five by five, he's probably may at least probably five or ten dollars higher. Well, maybe not because five by five, the values are a little more um, crunched. Constrained, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> so maybe that's not necessarily true, just because of how high he is now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he probably still has a little bit. Now he he has a higher average. Uh, you already kind of mentioned this. He has an average salary that's higher than Soto right now. So he's probably not going to continue to get the arb that Soto will. Um, but I also think Soto has a higher ceiling. Like he could, yeah. he could even, yeah, yeah. you sure. know, get a little bit better. And, and Acuna is probably right around where he belongs at this point. So, although they're both still so young, I mean, Acuna, he's going to be 23 going into That's this year. Crazy. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. Yeah. Um, I, I want to mention, uh, uh, Shane Bieber real quick. Uh, not, only due to uh, Indians' homerism, but uh, you know, obviously, a tremendous season. Uh, some caveats because of the competition he faced, but the numbers don't lie. I mean, the, the stats were ridiculous every time out uh, during the regular season. So he had just a hair under three thousand dollars in total ARB added, uh, average of eleven thirty-seven. Just for context, Fernando Tatis had an average of a, a little over thirteen dollars per league. So uh, Bieber uh, was second on that number and brought his current average salary across all formats to 2743. Um, I just want to mention him because uh, going back a couple years of this sort of aggregate ARB, uh, Bieber is the only top three pitcher um, in, in that, that across all formats that has gotten it. And I guess since, uh, what did I say, since Severino in 2018, which obviously... Oof, but uh, it's interesting that uh, this year, and then we had Giolito at five, right? So and Bauer at seven, Lamette at eight. I feel like we had more pitchers in the top ten than we do in the past, and we certainly had more pitchers in the top five than uh, across all leagues in the past. And I wonder if you guys have any thoughts about like what is going on there. So, less a thought on what's going on, more a thought on what will happen. (laughs) Um, But. I looked back at the top five ARB receivers in terms of dollars per league for each year over the last, going back to 2013, and and sort of assigned them a like, did this in retrospect turn out to be a good idea or not kind of thing? Like, was giving this guy a bunch of money in ARB smart? Um, And what I basically found is out of 40 guys from 2013 to 2019, um, because those are the years after that, I was sort of backing off before making pronouncements. Um, there were 27 of the 40 who I thought, yeah, this makes sense. Like, even if I went back in time, I'd be perfectly happy with this guy getting hit. And 13 who I was like, eh, this might've been a mistake. We might've gotten a little overexcited about this player. Um, of those 13, there are only three pitchers that were sort of bad targets, but of the 40 players total, there were only six pitchers. So out of six yeah, pitchers, pitchers just who don't made that top five, they yeah. just don't attract, uh, our right. And what, and like obviously, um, there is a general risk aversion kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. pitchers are risky, and um, and uh, they can you know they can get hurt, and so people sort of like shy away from them. Bieber, I guess, just started at such a like I said, eleven thirty seven up to twenty twenty seven dollars. 
sixteen dollars for Bieber is I mean that that was an awesome year to have Shane Bieber. Given the production, obviously short season, but how impactful pitching uh and especially his level of pitching was um for a points league or a or a four by four, even a five by five, like he was just so dominant and uh like having him at sixteen is just too good to ignore, right? Yeah. I think I, I think though what we're seeing a little bit is putting together ten dominant starts is very different than putting together thirty dominant starts, maybe even more so That's a good point. than putting together two hundred dominant plate appearances versus six hundred. Like right. and so I look at some of these guys and it's like I, I don't know, had the season gone another, you know, two months, three months, four months, whatever we would have had if, with a closer to full season. I'm not sure all of these, like if I look at the, there, there are six, there are five pitchers in the top 11. Yeah. I, five, I think right? Bieber, Giolito, Bauer, Lamette, and Freed. I'm guessing half of those guys wouldn't have been anywhere near there if we had had a full season. That's and, a good and point. I, and I think when we look back at this a year from now, or maybe a year and a half from now or something like that, my guess is of those five pitchers, Two to three of them will be like, man, why were people putting like, why why were people so excited about Trevor Bauer? He has a long track record of mediocrity. Why did we all of a sudden decide that because of twelve good starts, he was deserving of this huge boost in his salary? Right. No, I think that's I, I think that's exactly right. That was the point I was going to make. Is that with this short season, a lot of variance. There's already a lot of variance in pitchers, but then you add a sixty game season on top of that. Uh, the variance was extreme, so I agree. And and I don't know that maybe necessarily we would have seen that many fewer pitchers in the top ten, but we might have seen somebody like Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, um, you know, Zach Gallen, Luis Castillo, some of those guys that are a little further down the list. They may have been top ten instead because maybe they started slow. A guy like Glass now started slow, but I bet if he you give him another hundred games, another you know twenty starts, um, it probably would have looked different. He probably would have receive more R because his season would have looked a lot better. Um, so I think that's a great call out as far as the, the variance of a, a short season when it comes to the pitchers. Um, you know, and I think the other, the other aspect is I think that in general, auto new managers recognize or, or appreciate the fact that there is more variance in pitching. So I feel like there's a lot less likely to assign arbitration to pitchers than they are to a hitter. Um, I know that that's the case for me. I mean, if I'm, if I'm looking at a, a roster and I have to assign $3 to it, I'm probably going to look for the hitters first before I'm going to look for the pitchers. So um, I think that's another, which, which makes it interesting that so many of them did appear this year. But I think it's because when you get to a point where you're trying to separate out, we only have 60 games from the last time these market rates were set, right? Like, especially like if you're looking at a first year league, there's only 60 games of new data. Um, whereas normally there'd be 162 and that makes a big difference. Um, so I think that that's part of it is I think, some of these pitchers were just really hot this year, um, especially Bauer and Bieber and Lamette. Um, you know, and I think that that the dollars followed the performance, and maybe not rightfully so in every case, but it's hard to blame the auto new market as a whole for who they chose to to assign dollars to. Nothing really jumps out at me as I mean, there's one name, and I know Chad I think has it on his note as far as a surprising name that I see in that top ten that I was a little surprised. Um, was not. I'm going to let somebody else pronounce his name so I don't botch it again. But I believe it's Luis Ro- Robert. Ro- Robert. Robert. Right. Okay. As if but he's committing a crime. I think so. I believe but, so as well. Yeah. But anyways, I, I feel like we've already done this bit. We uh, have, and we're going to yeah. keep doing it's it. It's not a bit as much as it is. <laughs> I just want to get the name right, and I keep yeah. getting what it should be. 
So I, I think the, the thing that jumped out at me with Lou Bob is that he he came out of the gate red hot. Um, he had in August, this is not July plus August, it's just August. He had a 417 Woba. Uh, in September, it was 199. Um, he was legitimately terrible the second half, half of the season. Now, I don't know if it was just a bad couple weeks. I don't know if the league adjusted and he's a young guy and he's going to have to figure out how to adjust back and who knows if he will. I do know that when I look at him, there's a lot of red flags. Um, and I've got, I've got him on one roster, I think. Um, and I'm, I think I'm going to be shopping him because I just, this, this tells me the market on, on him is, uh, you know, post breakout established himself as one of the top players type value. And that's not who he is. Well, I mean, is that necessarily true? I mean, he's, he's a rookie. Uh, he cost um, on average 13 bucks. Uh, you know, I think it's exciting to have a rookie. Uh, and he mashed, right? He got headlines mashing for a little bit there. And I'll grant you, like, the second half is bad. And if you look at the total season slash lines, not super impressive. But he's still a 22-year-old that has played two seasons of uh, – American professional baseball before this year, and in both of those, uh, slugged or OPS nine over nine hundred or whatever. Like he is showing, he showed, I guess, for two months or a month and a half that 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 skill set may translate. Now, I, yeah, I I don't I don't have him on uh, on either of my rosters, so I don't know. What I'd be thinking about moving him or not, but thirteen dollar and with a with a with the natural curving another full season like I guess to play a full season he'll be age twenty three or whatever. I don't know if I would be like so worried about him. I and also like one thing to note that's like sort of mashed up in this idea like he is a uh, what sixth or seventh sixth I think on was it sixth in in average arb. And um, yeah, these guys are nodding. Yes, sixth and average art, but it's seventh. Yeah. Seventh, sorry, but it was still under six dollars uh, on average. Oh, and it, sixth. <laughs> and if you go back, okay, well, either way, if you go back, uh, and when we were looking back through past years, uh, we don't see as many guys like getting thirteen dollars in average art, which we should probably talk about at some point. Does not happen. Uh, that's insane. That's a super high number. Uh, generally, double digits is super high, and the top ten. But the top ten is compressed, so you see a lot from like uh, six to nine dollars in the top ten. And this year, sixth already is is below six bucks, so it's not a ton of money being added there. And I don't know. There's a lot to figure out about like distribution patterns here, and like why the money. There's a long tail and a lot of money at the top, which is weird. Yeah, well, I mean, some of it is it's a zero-sum thing, right? There's only so much dollars to- in total. Right. So the more that's concentrated on a few players, um, then you are going to get that that steeper drop-off once you get down to the 10th to 15th highest hits. Um, but I noticed the same thing right away because I was writing down the top 10 this year and the top 10 each of the last two years. 10th right. tenth, tenth was 6.7 average uh, each of the last two years, but then this year the 10th best, the tenth highest was Eloy at 4.9. Right, and um, – and- and six point seven is higher than what 
Luis Robert got is higher right? than Robert. Yeah, yeah. Robert. So, so, so I wonder. I wonder if what we're seeing is just there being more candidates because you could either look at 2020 and be like, "Wow, this guy had a huge 2020. He's a star. I'm going to put arm on him." Or you could look at 2020 and be like, "I don't know. This guy like um, a guy like Cattell Marte." Right, who I know got he's not like near the top of the list, but he got a couple bucks on average in leagues. And like he wasn't good this year, right? Right. And so all of a sudden what you have is everybody who was good But there's still like but still has room to grow, right? Who didn't get armed all the way in twenty nineteen had room to grow this year. Right. And so you you effectively doubled the field because it was very easy for people to look at this year and write it off if they wanted to. Um and I think that might have been what happened, and that might be why we're seeing more compression. Is that there's uh, yeah, I mean the long tail this a year. Long tail, yeah, the long tail this year is is pretty nutty, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. Maybe we should start talking about that now. I don't know. I mean, there's some there's some crazy names out there that got our. What crazy names jump out at you? I mean, the craziest names are down at the very bottom, like the the random one dollar ones. Um, Sorry, but, Anthony Dominguez. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that's. That's a real, that's a real Niv move. <laughs> I, I know, I know that there are there are auto new managers out there who will place arbitration early in the arbitration window because it's a month long process. Um, as sort of like dummy arb, they just get some dollars in there, but they're not real allocations. I wonder if some of these are ones where they forgot to go back in and change them. Or yeah, they and there's also some of them, but not all of them because. Some of these are so off, like they're so off the wall that it's got to be there's a also, joke or a mistake. I there's mean, a couple of things. Uh, maybe we should have led with this caveat, but I'll, I'll give you guys some insight on you know what I'm hearing from uh, some users. Like a lot of people wanted to have less ARB this year uh, or not have ARB at all. We we didn't um, AutoNew didn't do anything custom for that. So um, so. Some people probably did filler ARB. So here's the real ARB and here's the fake stuff. And some people only did $11, didn't actually complete their ARB, so that their commissioners could go back through the reports and uh, apply the ARB manually. Now, the $11, if someone just, if one league said everybody only do $11, uh, that's counted in this report. Like, that's not ignored, um, even though the site wouldn't have applied it. Um, Oh, I see. So, Even though it wasn't valid ARB, it still would have... It, it still will show up here output. because it was still uh, submitted by a team. Right. So even in our league, Chad, in League One, um, one, one team didn't... Didn't finish. Didn't finish, but uh, his 15 bucks is in there, is in that report. Um, and, you know, I think that's valid. I think that's... Uh, it shows uh, intent, intent yeah. if nothing else. So um, one, one random League One-related note, as I jump down to the bottom to look at all the players who got $1... Uh, there was $1 across all of Auto New applied to Brian Reynolds. It was my Brian Reynolds in League One that got that $1. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, o- overpaid Scrubs was the team that assigned that to me. Man. We're curious. <laughs> we're going to have to uh, – overpaid Scrubs, I hope you're listening, man, because that is a shout-out. That is. I might have, if you want to talk trade for Brian Reynolds, you're apparently <laughs> the single highest person in the world. <laughs> you were the highest on Brian Reynolds. Uh, that's really good. Um, what other nutty names are out there? I mean, uh, I don't know. Like the top ten, I agree with you guys. Like uh, other other than maybe Rob Air, like there's not. I was I was still surprised. I mean, I guess I shouldn't say maybe I was maybe Bauer. 
Go ahead. Go ahead, Justin. Sorry. Well, no, no. I was just I was going to call out Tatis again because I know you kind of alluded to him earlier as far as how yeah, much he got Tatis. hit. Um, I was going to say I was surprised he got hit so hard, but then again, like he was such uh, a boon to the to the league this year. Like it was so. I mean, the Padres story, the 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 way he was going about some of those dramatic uh, home runs. Right. I mean, look, and, you didn't even have to. You if you were not even a baseball fan, you knew Fernando Tatis this summer. He right. just did so many things that were. Leading Sports Center or whatever, and I'm well, still. I do think there, there's an aspect there. I know there are some people who put heavy arbitration dollars on guys they want. Right, they're trying to force guys back yeah. into the auction, and I would be willing to bet there's a heavy dose of. I don't care that I think he's only a $25 player. He's only established a $25 level. He's at 27. I'm bumping him to 30 because I want to put right. I want to push him over the top if I can with Tatis more than anyone else, because I think there's a lot of managers out there. Like, I don't care. I want him. Yeah. I, I, so I, like that extra dollar, like you already see 12 applied and you don't mind. Yeah. Being Who the cares? 13th, 14th dollar. Let's get him out of here. Whatever pushes him over the edge. And, and I think related to that, uh, on the flip side of that coin is I think he might've been a case where people were okay putting that extra money on him because there are some players where, it doesn't matter how much ARB they've already received. You're going to put money on him because you know that that manager's not going to cut Fernando Tatis. No matter what, I mean, he could have a ridiculously high salary and he's probably not getting thrown back in the pool. So, because, um, you know, Chad's written a lot about this in the past as far as ARB strategy. Um, and I agree with him 100% that one of the things you want to do is you want to put your money where it's going to stick around the longest. Um, and ARBing some of these young, hot, you know, hype studs. I mean, that's the best place to do it, especially on the hitting side, because they're going to stick around. They, you know, he's still under, under salaried at 31. I think he still is. Absolutely. Um, I think he was $50 on the surplus calc. Um, so, I mean, there's still a lot of surplus there for sure. And then I think there's even market surplus beyond that because he's such a, a desired, um, player that people love to have them on their fantasy teams, right? So along those lines, I actually I took a look back when I was looking at some of the the older ARB stuff at um, an assumption I had made in the past that betting putting ARB dollars on young breakouts, if you're right, right, putting it on Soto two years ago and being right that he is a legit star is hugely valuable because those dollars are going to be stuck on that team's roster. Forever, probably, because no one's ever cutting Juan Soto. Um, but I had a I had a thought that young players are higher risk. You put dollars on a guy like Lou Bob might be a good example where it's like there's not much of a track record there. We're still sort of gambling on what he's capable of. There's a high likelihood of the guy sort of busting. But when I look back, and I, I talked before about those 13 guys who were in the top five over the last few years who um, – didn't pan out or who, who in my mind were not, not good uses of arbitration in, in hindsight. Um, and a, there were a number of injury cases in there, right? Severino, we've already talked about Corey Seager got, you know, banged up and missed a bunch of time. And that really impacts whether or not putting ARB on him was worthwhile. But there were also a number of what I would call late breakouts or guys who had sort of unexpectedly great seasons. And so like R.A. Dickey was top five after his one great year. Chase Headley had a great year and then was top five. Chris Davis, after one of his up and down great years, was top five. And so as I look at that, it actually makes me think that uh, what you're saying is right, Justin, which is not necessarily what I expected, which is that you do actually want to go after these younger guys rather than an older, more established player who suddenly breaks out. 
Like the older, more established players who suddenly break out, a lot it's of times more that's likely that you're seeing a mirage. Yeah, right, right. That's right. And, and maybe it's not. Maybe we're maybe we can be smart enough to figure out. Like maybe if I went back and looked, because another name that's on there is uh, Edwin Encarnacion in back in one of the first couple years, and he ended up I think being a pretty good use of ARB dollars that year. Right. It took. There were a few years there where he was a, suddenly a star. Right. Jose Bautista, I think, actually predates this, but he would be another example of a established guy. Like actually changed, actually changed late right. in his career. But I think it's a really good call that like the, the a young player who is on that growth trajectory, you can leave those dollars there forever. It's those older players, those breakout guys who are maybe maybe not even post hype, just you know, established veterans suddenly breaking out. You have to have a really good reason for wanting to hit them with arbitration um, because you're, you're, there's a lot of risk there. And, and to segue off of that point, the, to me, the perfect example of that this year, and I'm not going to come down either way on whether I think this guy is for real or not, is Randy Rosarena. That he received, I mean, he's what, uh, 22nd on this list. We haven't talked about him yet, but he was 22nd most ARB across all leagues, an average of nearly $4, um, bringing him up to about a $9 average across all auto new leagues. And anecdotally, probably the most asked about player in auto new slack during the arbitration period. And what do we do with him? What do we do with him? (laughs) And it's, it's, I mean, and there's, if, if any, I'm not saying he's going to be a mirage, but if anyone in this top 25 is going to be a mirage, it would probably be him. Um, where you're looking at somebody that didn't have a lot of prospect pedigree. Yes. He's young, but like, we're still talking about such a limited sample. I mean, he was very, he was excellent in the playoffs. He's he was, your, he's he was your very good bet. in the regular season. He's your top bet out of the top 25 to be a mirage. Well, who else? Maybe I missed somebody. Who else would you I don't know. I, it's an interesting question. I hadn't actually thought about that question, but I'm looking at the list. Maybe now. one of the pitchers. If you're if you're talking about the hitters. Um, oh, you're going to take the pitchers off. Yeah, the table. I think Lamette <laughs> and, and Bauer need to be put aside for this I think, question. I think Bauer and, and Corbin Burns are actually the ones who jump out at me from the top 25 where I'm like, uh, I don't know. Um, but yeah, among the hitters. Okay, let's only look at hitters. I mean, Tati Soto Acuna. Okay, maybe Louis Robert. Robert. I, I um, think I think I like a Rosarena's skill set better than Roberts. I mean, I might as well, but there's certainly a lot more that is with Robert. Interesting. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. There, and I mean, and I, I know you're saying there's no there's no major league track record, certainly, but uh, the the minor league numbers good for Robert. Uh, yeah, I. I mean, we'll Rosarina, and Rosarina also got so much of this like Fox, Fox pregame show, best player in baseball stuff, yeah, and, and and everybody was watching him, right? I mean, it you I mean, that's not why it happens when games. it happens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you get familiar again, with some of these guys, but the narrative was very much like, "Hey, this guy uh, came over from Cuba and he's the best player in the history of baseball," and and I mean, and, and really that was like the way that uh, I mean. National national media has a certain way that they have to cover baseball in order to get the casual fan engaged. Um, and Rosarina, I think, was the victim, uh, the spotlight of it. I mean, I don't know. Victim so is a using, weird word. But. Using, uh, using WOBA as the, the baseline, without looking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quiz you guys. Who do you think Steamer is higher on? Between, oh, I, between who? About between those Robert two, and, Rosarena and Robert. 
probably Robert, but probably very close. Yeah, I would say Robert too. That's exactly right. It's 330 projected for Rosarena and 332 for Robert. That's pretty close. Um, given the supposed difference in pedigree, which Steamer should see because it's got those minor league numbers. Um, I, I'm, I don't know. I, I personally, I think a Rosarena is a better bet than Robert moving forward. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I think both of them are extremely risky. Yeah. Um, I think both of them also ha- offer a lot of upside. I think one I, of them's 22 and the other's 25. And I'll take the 22-year-old who managed. This is, but this is my point. is like the things like that one of them's 22 and one of them's 25, those are the things that Steamer knows, right? And so. Yeah, but that just means, I mean, Steam- what's the timeline we're talking about here? Like in the like the next three years, like Robert or Robert will start ha- I mean like age curves are 90% of what these projection systems do right like that that is a well, maybe not 90% but it's a big yeah, it's big a component key component it. yeah and and if you're talking about a 22 year old who had who held his own uh having a slightly higher woba than a 25 year old that only hit in the playoffs well not only but mostly hit in the playoffs like i i don't know i i don't know I mean, the dude had a good month, and you know when we're talking about these sixty-game seasons, and you add the postseason in, seventy-five, eighty-game seasons, like the like you know what are we talking about here, right? Yeah. For what it's worth, while Steamer has them very close, Zips much prefers uh, Robert by yeah. a lot. It yeah, actually Zips is Zips is not a Rosarena fan at all. <laughs> um, once Zips catches up with with depth charts and the, and that gets mixed. You're going to see a big drop. Big Those of you using the surplus calculator, uh, a Rosarena's value is going to plummet in, let's say, two months, three months' time. When the so depth charts come out. If, if you're trading with somebody who likes to use surplus calculator, trade them a Rosarena now. Yeah, he's he's $8 right now, fueled just by steamer projections. Um, and Robber is 14 or 15 I think, so... Yeah, fourteen point seven. Really? So, yeah. What's but they're they're so similar in terms of their lines. What's driving that difference? Is it playing time? Um, it maybe. No, I don't know because Robert has or uh, a Rosarena has quite a bit on depth charts. I'd have to pull my file. Maybe something changed um, with the depth charts because that would that would have an effect to the playing time. Um, but it's possible. Also, you have to remember that Fangraphs points. It over indexes power a little bit. Um, and Steamer's only projecting a 190 ISO for a Rosarena. And I think it's probably a fair bit higher for Robber. Um, yeah, let's talk about side by side. No, it's ISO. not that much higher. 216. Briefly talk yeah. about a Rosarena being the only guy in the top 25 who has less than 98% roster. Um, he's yeah, an 83% he roster because. Because really, he was... He wasn't that interesting in the regular season, No, right? and maybe even only in over the last few weeks, and maybe in some leagues they weren't really paying attention. I don't know, or no one wanted to take a flyer on him. I think I have him rostered in one league. Um, I'd have to look and see how much he he's, his salary is in that league. But, I mean, I, I think he's a, he's a flyer. He's definitely... But my thing is, is like when I was applying my arbitration, there were rosters that had him on, obviously. Um I, I I could find better. Names yeah, I, have, to hit, I avoided. I avoided. Right, like, and, leave more, and and maybe not. 
in terms of upside, but I want to be assured that the money I'm putting there is going to stick um, long term. And I just don't know that if I'm putting it on him. I would I would be equally, you know, what's the likelihood that he's not even he's not even worth rostering next year? Right. I mean, yeah, after the, the end of after the, the end of that, that goes and that goes back to, to my sort of logic for why how I do ARB in general, which is that I'm I want those dollars to stick around for as long as possible. And if a Rosarena is the star that some people believe he's going to be, I'll just put three dollars on him next year and it'll be fine. And the two year effect will be effectively what it would have been anyways. Like if you put a dollar on him now and then he's great next year and so you go back and put another dollar or two on him next year, that I mean, long term isn't different than putting three dollars on him next year. Yeah, I mean like the thing the thing is uh, you know, getting him up to nine bucks, it's not enough to get anyone off or anyone who's on board with the Rosarina and it's like gonna run with him, like nine dollars like moving from six to nine is not the thing that's gonna move him away. Move anyone away from him, right? So um so yeah, so you have another year to figure him out. Um, I'm also like looking real quick, like Corbin Burns being up here at such a low, like that is a real random dude to put $4 aggregate ARB on. I'm surprised he didn't get more. If I'm being perfectly honest, he was lights out. He was very good this year. That's true. Um, towards the end of the season, like if you, he had a couple bad starts early, and then yeah. And the reason I know that is because I traded him literally right before he went lightning red hot, like white hot the rest of the the rest of the way. Um, I, I and, think he's. He's a good example of one of these guys who the two years is having an impact, right? People are like, man, that's a short track record. Yeah, he was great. Maybe I'll put a buck on him. Let me look at a longer time horizon. Oh, he really didn't do much last year, right? And he, and, and he was so hyped last year that I think everyone's aware that he wasn't great last year. Right. I think actually if you look at if you look at the list, the top twenty five or whatever, the guy right above him is like a study in the opposite, right? Of, of Walker Bueller, who I'm surprised to see him so high up there. Um, because while his surface stats like, were fine this year, sounds very autopilot y, very autopilot y, right? Yeah. I just like I look at him and I like, why are people putting an extra, you know, three, four bucks per league on Bueller to get him up to thirty dollars when you Darvish is getting about the same amount of money to go up to twenty two dollars. Like what? Wh- I mean, yeah, but I mean, pitchers, well, man. I feel like pitchers just took a lot of. If you didn't want to have to think too hard about which hitters were real and which hitters weren't real, just put money on pitchers. Yeah, like, just bail but, out on that problem. But I think it's not even that I necessarily think I would rather put arb dollars on Darvish than Bueller. But I don't under I don't see why I would be look why people would look at a league and be like, do I put a thirtieth dollar on Bueller or a twenty third on Darvish, and choose Bueller? That seems weird. To me. Yeah, but that's not necessarily the choice you have to make, right? And I, I was going to say, but on average, it is right. Yeah, but it but maybe the Bueller was the only reasonable target on a roster that you had to put a dollar for on. sure. For sure. I mean, I don't know. I, I you're right. I but I, but I think, think across all, across all leagues, the chances of Bueller regularly being the only arb-worthy target on a given team, and therefore getting hit more, like that's going to get that's going to come out in the wash, right? On average, that's not going to be a factor. Yeah, that's a good point. Yep, 
I, I mean, it could it could just. I mean, who knows? I mean, some of this stuff. I feel like the players are hitting the arb on the guys, the names they recognize, the names that you know. Walker Bueller, well, he's a top pitcher. Well, I'm going to put money on him. Um, Corbin Burns, who's that? I'm not going to put money on him. And then that's offset by people like me who look at Corbin Burns and say he's still under nine dollars on average across all leagues. He should have had more money applied to him because I think there's still, I mean, under nine, under ten dollars for a pitcher. Yeah, pitchers are risky, but yeah, I mean, the- I mean that's that's gold. I mean that's 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 a, an asset for sure. Um, whereas I look at Walker Bueller and say, yeah, the same thing as Chad, like thirty dollars. Like, well, what? Why are you putting even more money on that? I mean, yeah, he's good, but is he really worth putting that money on versus somebody else? And maybe the decision isn't versus you, Darvish. Maybe it's you know, Mookie Betts or or uh, I don't even know. But some of these other names that are a little bit further down, but. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like arbitration is one of those things that intuitively makes sense. The market is, is increasing all the players that should be increased. And yet there's always these outlier results or you, like, I look at it on a league level, right. And I sort of look at the decisions or I look at who was hit on my team and I go, why would they hit? I, I'll never understand. Like, I, I think there's just a blind spot for me when some people make these decisions and and it's probably just as simple as they just value players differently or their arb strategy is just a lot different than mine is. Um, I don't know, but there's definitely on the, on the margins, there's some funny results that, that happen here. And you're, you're muted. I think Chad there. (laughs) One of the things I'm looking at with that, with that stuff on the margins is, uh, whether and this relates to what we talked about with Lou Bob, that he was so great to start and so bad at the end. And there's a bunch of other guys down near sort of the bottom of, of the bottom of a list that I made of, of guys who just were much, much better in August than they were in September. Um, and among those guys, you got uh, Robber, Cronenworth, Hap, Kyle Lewis, and Fernando Tatis are all in sort of the bottom 10 by that measure. Some of the other guys down there, um, Schwarber, Reddick, Eric Gonzalez, like just aren't guys who were who were real major targets. Um, those guys all got hit pretty hard. And but when I look at the guys at the other end, the guys who had a really great second month, um, it's not a super obvious difference. But like Alberto Mondesi was great in September, didn't really get a big. We, we got over a hundred dollars total added to him, but was lower than where all those other guys were. Um, like Guriel, I think was it's kind of like a, uh, people didn't update their priors. Yeah, I can't. I can't really tell if that's a factor yet. I need to look at it closer to really because it's 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 messy. But it does look to me like there is some effect that at least this year a hot start led to more R like. I, and this is I, I, I'm, it's a hypothesis. My hypothesis that I haven't really been able to prove out or disprove is that two players with similar starting salaries, similar overall lines for the year, the one who had a really good first month got hit harder than the one who had a really good second month, even though they ended up at basically the same place. Right. I need to look a lot closer to make sure it's actually true, but there seems to be some 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 data in there to suggest that that's happening. Right. Um, which I think I, I think is what happened with Lubob. I think it is what happened with Kyle Lewis, right? Like these guys were so good to start the year. They became the talk of the season. And because their final lines didn't get bad enough to suddenly look terrible, like uh, Nick Castellanos had an awesome start of the season, was red hot, but he was so bad the rest of the way that his final line was just bad. And so it was sort of like, okay, fine, he was actually bad. Um, 
that didn't happen with those guys. Their final lines still look pretty good, uh, or at least good enough. Um, and so the, that talk track of like Kyle Lewis broke out, Lou Bob broke out, just sticks in a way that like Jeff McNeil was terrible the first half of the season, was incredible the second half of the season, didn't get nearly as much attention as those guys. I'm not really sure I think he shouldn't have. I think he should have been like – McNeil got on average $1.61 per league, which moved him from basically $10 to $11.5. Uh-huh. Like he should have been hit harder than that, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, what you're talking about is, is just the classic primacy effect, right? The primacy bias. And I mean, we could probably do a whole episode on cognitive bias when it comes to, to fantasy leagues. Um, but I think you're absolutely right. And I wouldn't be surprised at all as if you did, if you, if you did look into that data, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a very real significant effect um, in those cases where players that start off hot attract more arbitration, um, more than they would com- compared to other players who had the same seasonal line but didn't start as hot as they did. Yeah, especially when the season where uh, the division between hot and full season is two months, right? Like we're, we're one month versus two months. Like it's not you don't have it's not like th- th- three weeks in april you remember that at the end of the season but three weeks in august yeah you'll remember that right right when it's so much more of the season so um i mean I, also cinder garden sale got 100 bucks each total like like guys who didn't pitch and um you know coming back from weird injuries and opt-outs and like there i mean there's a lot of i think i think there's so much uncertainty that there is gonna just be a lot of like weird weird gems to find in this aggregate arb, right? Yeah. And, and some of that could be um, some of these names that, that, that have some arb and maybe they just are like sale, for example, maybe he was cut and re-auctioned enough times that he got down really low. And, and then it made sense. So like, I mean, if he's low enough, I would put money on Chris sale. I mean, I don't know what that number would be, but um, maybe that's the thinking for the, for the 79 teams that, that arbed him across Autonew. Um that you know, Chris Sale is well. He's a stud, and yeah, he's hurt. But I don't want anybody to have a stud Chris Sale for twenty two dollars or nineteen dollars or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, I, I'd be remiss not to talk about one of one of my favorite guys here. Who I understand why he was as low as he was, but I was still a little bit surprised. Was Jordan Alvarez? Um, he was thirty seventh most arbed. He's still under a twenty dollar average across all league types. Um, I know he didn't play. I know his knees are shot and a young man with shot knees is probably concerning, but I still think he's, he's a great hitter and he's average salary is $19. And I was happy in every league that I roster him in that he wasn't hit harder. Um, and I think, I think, I think, I think he was a surprise for me in the opposite direction. Like I'm surprised you're surprised you attracted so as much because this is yeah. this is a perfect example of a case where like I gain nothing by giving three dollars to him now or a dollar to him now versus next year, right? Unless your team has nobody else on it worth hitting, there are more, there's going to be somebody else whose knees are more likely to be solid, whose production is more established, who has enough surplus value there to eat up that it's worth hitting them, and if if Jordan is what you expect Jordan to be. I'll put him three three bucks on him next year. And you know what? You'll yeah. be in the exact same spot you would have been otherwise. So to me, that's that's a perfect example of a guy. It's like, there's just no reason to do it. It's like a Rosarena. It's like we don't there, there's there's enough question marks there that mm-hmm. if he's really as great as we think, is and I think I think he's gonna be really good. But why 
but the risk well, is there. Yeah, I put the money there when midway through next season he may need another knee surgery, and all of a sudden you start looking at this guy and going like, "What's he ever going to do? Is he ever going to be healthy enough to play?" And and I don't. That's not the outcome I expect, but it's more likely to come like. It's in play. It's, it's not in play, and it's more in play for him than it is from like Eloy Jimenez. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think I get that. I do. I'm saying more from the my own individual perspective um, that he was a player that I. It's it may be almost a blessing that he got hurt this year because it's keeping his price low. Um, maybe I'm deluding myself because he is a guy that I that I like quite a bit and have been uh, stumping for quite a bit. Um, but I, I don't think you're deluding yourself. I think the 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 only way you can make an argument that it was a blessing he got hurt this year is if you're basically writing off and saying this year didn't matter. It wasn't that real. You only lost 60 games of him. Your team probably wouldn't have been better anyways, like those kinds of things. Because if, if you had him and he was as good as you thought, he would have made all of your teams better and you would have won more leagues as a result of him. Well, he was and hurt then, this yes, year. <laughs> right. But I'm saying if he wasn't, I'm saying like, oh, okay. fact that, yeah, right, yeah. I'm saying like, you would have had him for 18 bucks this year, whatever it was, $17 this year. And said you're going to have him for 20 next year because he got bumped a little bit in arm. Um, that's, that is what it is. But you lost this year, right? That This year is gone and you did lose that. And the reality is that while you'll have him for 18, let's say you, you would have had him for 17, 22 this year instead of 30 this year. And then ne- but next year, he'll be 40 either way. Right, he's going to go up a bunch next year. If if he's as good as he was, and he's what you think he's going to be, he's going to get thirteen, fourteen dollars of arb next year in average in most leagues. Because all well, of a sudden he'll be a guy who's got a track record of being a forty dollar player. This is going back to the thing we said earlier, where if you some people are just like if you sort of push this year aside as being a little too high variance, you're like, well, let me start working towards getting some of these guys towards the number they need to be at. Um, and you're not going to solve that problem all at once with Alvarez, for example, especially given that a lot of people will just ignore him because of the injury and not not playing. But, uh, you know, I think there's some something to that. If you say, if my best options are, for example, a Rosarina and Robber, or like that kind of class of player where you don't feel certain, certainly solid on it, you might throw an extra buck here or there on other things. And like that's, you know, we were talking about this at the beginning of the episode, like, we had some long tail stuff, and then like some of this long tail turned into like interesting aggregate in the middle as well, like the lower middle, like top twenty-five and top ten. Like we said before, like the the averages are lower than they are they have been in the past. One and two higher than they've been in the past, right? I think Aaron Judge is the only player. Uh, Aaron Judge and Mike Trout are the only players that have gotten more ARB than Tatis. Yeah, that's got right. this year. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's something. That that should be noted. In a 60-game season, Fernando Tatis got more ARB than every player except Aaron Judge after 2018, or after 2017, I think, and Mike Trout, whatever, Mike Trout. And <laughs> you, just, you, can, you can answer any question with just waving your hands and saying Mike Trout, I guess. But, um, but yeah, in the middle, we had, like, in the top 10 middle, we had lower numbers, and that stuff aggregates somewhere, right? Like, that's a lot of money that just needs to be put somewhere. And if your answer... I don't. I don't think it's particularly irrational, particularly irrational to start eyeing what surplus calculator might look like in 2021, what your projections look like in 2021, and starting to get towards that. Especially if you don't love the option of, let me make a Rosarina eleven dollars. Yeah, I think the the one other guy that 
Justin, you called out in your notes this is a surprise that we haven't talked about yet, but I think needs to be talked about because I always think he needs to be talked about is Dom Smith. Um, I so I actually like I man, and, I thought we were gonna get away with it too. No, <laughs> no chance, no chance. Um, if I look at my rosters where I have him and I've got a number of them, um, he got hit with four dollars in League One. I don't believe he got hit at all in League 670. Um, I, I'm just surprised. He's like he's now put together two consecutive truly excellent seasons. Um, and the only thing I can think is that there was so much question about whether or not the NLDH was going to extend it that maybe people were like, eh, I'm not putting money on him because there may not be a spot for him. But like, there's no way he's on the Mets bench. There's no way they can't pot like. I- well, especially with the Cano uh, suspension, right? I mean, that makes yeah, it more I mean, likely that Mc- in theory McNeil back to second, JD Davis right. back to third, opens up a corner spot. But like, yeah, I honestly think like if, if you said right now, if you said Pete Alonso and Dom Smith are not capable of playing anywhere but first base, and we don't have a DH, we have to pick one. Smith is the right answer. Now, I, I don't know that that's what the Mets would do, and I don't think they're going to have to make that call because they're going to be able to put Smith in the outfield or they're going to be able to put one of them at DH, um, probably Alonzo at DH. Smith is a better defender at first base. But, yeah, you haven't been paying attention, man. Steve Cohn's going to come in and sign every single player that you've ever wanted to have on a baseball team. So I, I have been paying attention. I keep saying he's going to sign everybody, but he's not going to sign a first baseman. But nobody's going to conflict with Smith's playing time, right? <laughs> there's no reason to upgrade that. They, they like they need I, I don't know not I mean they they have even I mean like I know this is like uh, a little fluffy but they've been using Dom Smith and in, in press and stuff right like he's sort of face of the franchisee for for the Mets right now like they're using him on uh, materials that, for season tickets and stuff so like yeah I mean there there is something to that and that you don't usually do that and then replace the guy. <laughs> General, <laughs> generally talk, talk talk to the Cleveland Indians about that now well look. <laughs> They, I don't think Lindor is on the stuff for 2021. Let's just. They only didn't put him on there because they can't afford to print it again if they. Yeah. Do. Oh no! Come on. <laughs> I didn't mean to turn this into that. <laughs> oh. Anyways, right. now we're just sad. <laughs> so. <laughs> anyway, Dom Smith. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. I just was surprised he didn't get hit harder. I, I like. Well, I can understand some skepticism there uh, in that sort of mirage thing. People forget how, that how he's not old, right? Like, that's the thing. He's not young, but he's, he's like, right in that age curve where he could be doing things like he did this year, right? Like, You know, I'm looking at my leagues right now. <laughs> I have him rostered in one, on one team for $3, and he didn't get hit with a single dollar yeah, I mean, that's, in arbitration. <laughs> that's kind of like Neo dodging bullets in the Matrix, man. That's pretty good. <laughs> well, I mean, most is that Justin? Uh, that is ten thirty three. I I do have other assets that attracted Arb. I think he got lost in the shuffle a little bit, but I mean, that's the lowest. Which, which team is salary? Yours? The orphans. You didn't finish Arb in that league. I know that was the I I posted that on Slack. Yeah, for the first time I mean, ever. I, I did twenty four out of twenty five dollars and. And uh, didn't realize it. And I'm just looking. Yeah, I'm looking at that league, and like 
somebody put $1 on your Gavin Lux. I don't even know how much Gavin Lux costs, but that was wrong compared to Smith. It just was. Right. Lux is Lux is that's a, that's a I like classic, Gavin Lux. Gavin that's Lux a classic update your update your priors thing, right? Like that. Totally. Gavin Lux prospect, but like uh, anyone who watched this year, like he didn't get run, right? And like that's a problem. And you got hit with a lot of pitchers: Lazardo, McKenzie, Giolito, Gallon. Like, yeah, he might have gotten lost in the shuffle there. Um, this is, by the way, one of the reasons that I do two things when I do ARP. Um, I try to do it really early. Because there's guys I want to put a signal out there. I want to hit someone like Dom Smith early so that other people see it. Because people do use other right, ARB That, that is 100% the way I do ARB is I wait for Chad to do ARB. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, it's well, true, though. I wait for well, people to do ARB because it's uh, – I, I, I think a lot of people do that. You can correct mistakes, but you also like the signals that are given early. You get in a field right. where your I, other owners are. I like lead. to put that signal out early. But then I go back at the end, and I thought it was really important this year – and I, I don't know why this year it seemed more so than others. I went back and I noticed a number of cases where I was like, this guy needs attention. He should add three or $4 across the league. I'm going to put a dollar on him. And I came back a month later and he was up $12 or something. And I was like, well, I'm taking that dollar away and I'm putting it somewhere else because this is no longer useful. Um, and, and there are a few cases where I've got players on my roster and at least one player I can think of off the top of my head where I fully expected him to get three to five dollars of ARB, he deserved three to five dollars of ARB. He got like eleven dollars, and now I'm not sure what to do with him. Um, and not in a like, oh, people, you know, push this guy off my roster kind of way, but in a like, I think they all just acted as individual actors instead of thinking as a group or thinking about the group. And it's important to go back, like, take that time at the end if you've got it, and just take a second look and say. Hey, the guys I put this on on October 16th, are they still the right guys on November 14th or 15th? Because sometimes they're not. And sometimes you need to make moves. Yeah, I agree. And and I think um, that's usually something I try to do. I, I rush through. I was not prepared for arbitration this year. Just be with the short season and everything else and not not being in that that headspace. That, oh, this is the time of the year that, that ARB gets done. So, um, all right. Do we want to make some guesses for if we were going to to call out anyone who did not finish as a top 10 most ARB hit player this year that you think uh, might be that kind of player next year? Do you guys have any names of anybody that you wanted to mention? Somebody in the lower or middle part of this list that you think is definitely going to be a hit much harder next year? Um, so we, were, we started to talk about him before, but uh, Jordan Alvarez. Yeah, right? I, like I, I already said, I avoided him this year for the most part because I just think there's too many red flags. But I'm a believer in his bat. I think that if he stays healthy, he's going to be excellent. And if he puts up, let's say, 500 plate appearances of what I think he's capable of doing, then he's going to get crushed next year. He might be number one overall in that case, unless sense, yeah, Soto I mean, if he discovers another t- level of performance, right? I mean, right. Soto, Soto and Tatis should still be up in the top. Three. We might not see Acuna up there, yeah. but I don't think Soto's going to get to the top three next year. I think he'll be somewhere in the top ten, but I don't know if he's going to get quite as high. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Oh, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, the, but to for sure. Yeah, um, the one name that I that I had picked out is actually Jordan's teammate Kyle Tucker. Um, he's a guy that I've liked. He's kind of not really put it all together at the majors. He did really well this year, though. 
Um, he was, I forget where he was on the list. He's sort of like the mid, yeah, 31. He was 31st. So he's, he's sort of high up there right now, but I think he's, a uh, the guy that I latched onto right away while going down this list is somebody that other than Jordan, that, um, a couple could be in that top 10 pretty easily next year. A couple other names that, that stand out to me. We talked about Dom Smith. I think that if he'll put up another year, like he just did and there, there will be a correction coming. Um, the other name of a guy who had a really good year then got hurt and I think sort of was out of sight, out of mind is Teoscar Hernandez. Mm-hmm. And if he comes back and, and picks up where he left off, um, I don't think he's a guy who's going to establish himself as like a $40 player. And so everybody's going to hit him with, you know, $3 on every team. But his average salary right now is only like six bucks. And it'll go up to eight with the, in the off season. And if, and if he, if he even comes close to what he did this year, he establishes himself as a fifteen to twenty dollar player and gets hit pretty hard. Yep. Yeah, I think Alec Baum is probably my guy. Like, if I had to pick somebody, uh, he's going to get a full season. He he was very good this year. I mean, given the age and obviously he has a pedigree, um, but he didn't get hit super hard. And that to me reads very much like a, a sort of some of the stuff we've talked about, like. Uh, you know, I'll give the three bucks next year if if you really are the thing that that you sort of showed that you might be. And if he does a full year of of corner corner infielder mashing in Philadelphia, like I think you know that'll be pretty easy to rationalize, like a, a so at least a top ten. All of the guys we've mentioned so far were top fifty this year. Who's outside that? Who's like? Really not getting. I mean, that's 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 prospect picking in a sense, right? Like, I mean, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe Luzardo. Um, he was sixty fourth. Uh, he's under eleven dollars right now. Uh, you could say Dustin May is in a somewhat similar camp. He was just below Luzardo at sixty sixth. He's got eight fifty. What do you guys think about someone like Trey Mancini? Is he going to come back? Like, is he? We were, um, we were just talking about him before we recorded because I traded for him late last night. Yeah, we were, but I don't think he fits in that mold of somebody who's really going to attract a lot of just, ARB dollars. It's just one of those things where, you know, because he's sort of out of sight, out of mind, um, if he is able to come back healthy, and you know, like, I believe he's cancer-free and all that amazing stuff. So uh, if he is able to come back and play next year, like, he, I mean, he could just be like a this is a $10 player and you know, he, he might really be a $16 player. It doesn't require uh, necessarily a uh, world beating to become like a top 10 ARB target. Right. So, yeah, a little, I was a little, little bit of a prospect picking that we, that was just mentioned, but uh, I think Dylan Carlson, um, I expected him to be really good this year. It didn't really work out, but he started to put some things together at the end of the season. I think he could put up a big, big year next year. Yeah. It's going to be something like that. It's going to be a, uh, Rule. Why are you laughing? Oh no! Speaking of prospects, my the the number one love of my life, Julio Rodriguez. Oh, of course. What are we even doing talking about any of this? Julio Rodriguez is going to get twenty dollars a he, league next year. He's a hundred and fifth on this list right now. There were only a hundred and four players who got more arb than him. He yeah. got a dollar seventy one bump across all leagues. He's up to five sixty two for, for, for not playing all season. I'm gonna call in that a minor the, league season that didn't exist. I mean, am I I'm responsible that the, for the, that? Like the Justin Bieber buck seventy, man. <laughs> the Justin Bieber buck seventy, right there. That's that's it. That's, as much as I love him, we have established him. how much Justin Bieber's word is worth. <laughs> it is a dollar seventy across leagues. I mean, and and I think I think again, I think this is also something that you've written about in the past, Chad. 
Um, in general, I, I don't like to hit prospects with arbitration for some of the same reasons you've already talked about, because you're, you're not assured that that money's going to stick. You don't know if those players are going to hit. Um, and you can always catch up later. I mean, you're giving that team one extra year of surplus of extra surplus potentially, but like $6, but people just don't, the the real thing, the real thing is people don't develop the way Juan Soto develops. Right. So you have no, and for everyone, every other player, just, they give you time. Even if they bust, they like give you enough time. Like the age curve stuff we're talking about when we're talking about Robert versus uh, Robert versus Rosarena, like Robert is not going to be Juan Soto, age twenty three. Juan Soto, he might turn into an all star. The, the only but thing I'll say about three J-Rod, years that'll be three years of development. The only thing I'll say about J Rod, and, and it's a weird way of saying it, but I don't think he's going to matter enough next year as a major league player for anything to change in his value. I don't well, think I don't he's either. gonna right because and so he's too young. Yeah. If people believe he is like, let's see, he he got bumped up. He only got bumped up to five sixty two. So yes. one argument I can make here is the chances he's worth less than that at the end of this coming season are super low. I just think he gets he maybe gets a cup of coffee, maybe he gets nothing this year. We'll have to see. Unless he gets seriously injured again and people are like, forget it, I can't keep waiting on him or something like that. He's going to go up to seven bucks. He'll still be what worth about, seven bucks. Okay, my, my counter. What about the what about his his teammate uh, Kalenich? Where, where is he on this list? I didn't He's even just just above just a little bit higher. Just than above third. Oh, I see it now. Okay. Yeah, and and they're very similar average uh, salaries. Too. Yeah, but one of them played <laughs> a little. Yeah. Well, in a in a hidden way, but yeah. Um, in a hidden way. Well, yeah, uh, make, I mean, I mean uh, alternate site, sure, if you call that playing games. Um, I... Clunch is closer, though, right? Like, we're more likely to see him next year than J-Rod. Yes, uh-huh. I will agree with that 100%. I, the only other pushback I'm going to have here is for each of these guys, between the $1 standard increase and then the nearly $2 average they got in ARB hit, you're basically, you doubled their salary. I mean, these are three dollar guys that are now pushing six dollars um, with that one dollar plus two dollar in ARB. I mean, yeah, but so I'm not sure I agree start, that starting Major League Baseball outfielder next year though, right? Like Kalenish, shouldn't he start opening day? No, I I don't know. I don't th- I don't think opening day, but uh, probably summer. Yeah. Like, the uh, other thing I'll the other thing I'll just throw out there with know. those guys is. Um, it doesn't take that many teams that were sellers who acquired those guys and have a complete lack of talent because they sold all their talent for a few bucks here or there to pop up. It does seem high, and they're not the guys I would target at all. But I can start to piece together an argument, maybe. Maybe. Uh, I, I, I will tell you that personally, I don't think I hit a single player that wasn't already in the major leagues on any of my arbitration allocations. So I, I mean, I'm not saying yeah, it's I think a terrible I mistake, give, but I think if I had to give one tip, I think that would be the one tip. Like if we want to end this on one, one arb tip, my one arb tip would be get guys who hit guys who played the majority of the major league season. Cause you, you want, and you want to find that intersection, right? You want to find that intersection between uh, a player who you, you are very confident that their value is, is going to go up or is under where their salary is and the intersection of that player also being 
like a breakout potentially, right? I mean, that's where you want to put your, your ARB dollars. Um, cause you want to eat up surplus, but you want to eat up surplus. That's real and not imaginary chase Headley getting our money whenever, whatever year that was, that was, you don't want to make clearly it, a mirage. I mean, you don't want to make it easy for teams to cut the player that you gave ARP to. Right. Because then the following year, Headley would have been cut and, and all that. I mean, the, the effect of that arbitration allocation would have been gone. It would have been there for one year, maybe right. half a right. season, maybe the, the only, the only thing, only thing I'm going to push back on in the Headley piece is he was a legitimate MVP candidate in 2012. He was an incredibly talented player. He was a highly hyped prospect who seemed to be in sort of post-hype sleeper mode. Um, he was 28 years old. He wasn't like, I, I don't know. I, you, look at, you look at his track record, he fell off big time after that. But there's nothing when I look at his numbers from that year that make me think like, oh, yeah, I can't believe anybody gave this guy R, but that was crazy. We it's can a total re- outlier. We can relitigate Chase Headley's 2012 because I got some emails, Chad. We can go through that, <laughs> but maybe now is not the time. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like you know, I think generally what I would say is you got to find that sweet spot. You don't want to like giving money, throwing money at players that uh, owners are going to cut anyway. Like it's not doing anything, no, not doing anyone any good. But at the flip side of it, turning. Kalenich and uh, Julio Rodriguez into six dollar, uh, not I guess not opening day outfielders in the majors is also not doing anyone any good uh, unless you are like just really interested in getting them back for three dollars at the auction or something and that this is not the best way to go about doing that I think yeah I think I think the the big the big message is you want to think about what's the best likelihood that those dollars you place today will still be impacting that team or whoever they trade those players to two years down the line, three years down the line. Beyond that, it's not worth thinking about. But like, you know, don't don't spend a, don't put a bunch of money on Charlie Morton right now, right? As good as he is and as cheap as he is in a lot of places. He might retire tomorrow. If he doesn't, he'll probably retire after next season, and that, that money's gone. And the reality is, like, prospects fall in that same camp where there's just a high likelihood they're not going to have any value. Uh, um, the comment I was making about J-Rod before was that I actually don't think his value is going to go down. And so I can at least make a case that you're going to get that extra dollar you put on him is still going to be there for the 2022 season because uh, I just don't think he's going to make himself into a cut before then anyways. Um, but it still is – high risk and there's just no reason to do it i mean his value is not down but he was also a three dollar prospect and there's a big difference between a three dollar prospect and a six dollar prospect so his 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 inherent asset value um is down because now he costs three dollars more than he did before but i agree i mean he's his trajectory is going to be up he's especially in a year where he didn't play because he was both hurt and there was no minor league season um the fact that he attracted that much arb even in that circumstance is surprising to me but um, I guess I take all the blame for that. I, it's the Vibber effect, right? Yeah, the Vibber effect. It's worth a buck seventy. Everyone, write it down. <laughs> all right. Uh, we we as always, this is a jumbo episode. Uh, <laughs> we will get better. This was our first one after a little bit of a layoff there. Um, really quickly, uh, I'm not committing to anything, but our, my intention at least is that we will have episodes every other week through the end of this calendar year and then probably starting in january get back into an every week schedule um i don't want there to be as big of a gap as there was this time that's on me 
Um, but I, we all three of us really love doing this. Um, even if nobody listens, but there are people who do listen. So we want to do this for our own sake and for the sake of you that are, are actually, uh, taking the time out of your day to listen to us, uh, rant and rave for an hour and 15 minutes. So, um, as always, thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you guys next time. Yeah,